You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt. And not just any elk hunt, we're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent, and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, welcome back, guys. Oh, man, right in the middle. It's uh, it's the end of October, getting towards the end of October. Matt and I are once again in the outdoor studio, Uh, hence my, uh, I guess I should just say, Long story short, or if you want to know what the outdoor studio looks like, it's in my backyard next to the fence 
uh, where all the leaves get blown up in a in a whirlpool of of wind. So here we are, protected here. from the wind today. Trying to be a little bit as much it, as we can. T- today definitely feels like one of those uh, those days we kind of are like, all right, if fall is here, this it's is chilly. Fall. This Matt is and I have. Fall. I've got flannel on. He's got uh, sweatshirt. Sweatshirt. Vest. Yep. It's and, what fifty eight, maybe. It's a high, windy, yeah. damp. Yeah. And so, you know, um, let's talk deer. Uh, A lot of the year we talk habitat. We're talking deer today. Not only deer, but successful deer hunts. Successful deer hunts. And uh, we got our good friend. I don't even know what to say. Team member, but not really because we don't, we we are getting a team of of guys. A lot of clients that are going to be filming with us. But Seth has been with us from almost the very get-go. And we got Seth back on the line. Seth, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. You've been on the podcast now probably half a dozen times, if not more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think so, if not not more. Next to my brother, the most reoccurring guest we have. Yep. So (laughs) there you go, Seth. Feel honored. Always a pleasure. You made it. (laughs) Always a pleasure. We do that so we know we can guarantee two or three listeners every week with your uh with your wife and yep. and uh and and so we just try to add our yeah. female audience out there so <laughs> anyway man uh, so uh yeah uh thanks for coming on now let's let's uh let's jump right in um uh, we've been following along youtube channel guys listeners if you haven't started over on our YouTube channel, please go over there, check it out, subscribe to our channel. We are dropping more and more videos each week. And there's uh, already 90-plus videos on the YouTube channel. Plus, I mean, it's it's weekly, if not bi-weekly right now with the amount of videos that are done, ready to post. Yeah, so land and legacy, search it. That's the and sign. I'm not sure if you could find it with typing out and. I'm sure you could. You can. Um, so check it out on YouTube. We're not posting them on our Facebook handle much anymore. It's just all on YouTube, so go and subscribe, please, to help support us. That is the direction we are headed more and more. With uh, You're not going to get more podcasts out of us anytime soon. You already get two a week, so tough up <laughs> if you want yes. more of that. Here's your videos. You get videos. <clears throat> um, more, fun to, more fun to do. Um, so we just released Trace. Mm-hmm. Trace's Deer Kill. Um, for you guys, so you can go and watch that one. We have not covered that on the podcast, but we have uh, released that one. Well, Seth Seth covered the story of Hefty, but haven't okay. we haven't we haven't discussed? Let's That's say right. the the release of the video. That's but, right. But Seth Seth and I went into long detail about the story of Hefty, and you could see all that footage. Seth um, laid down some some really good footage, and and most times, like with a mature buck, it's kind of quick hunt, not this long. Um, drawn out deal, but that certainly was a story with this hunt. So lots of footage, and Trace walloped this deer. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was a long. Never had that happen. May not ever have that happen. That was like ten minutes of. We got to get that boy off. some lighted knocks, though. Yeah, we're we're gonna do that. That's first that's world problems, right? Yes. When we're griping about, oh, I shot him, killed him, but he didn't use the lighted knock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, oh. it, it, it's so much easier to tell where you do where the impact is with that light and not, oh, especially yeah. on video. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can you can you can see so much better. Oh, for sure. Light and knocks are kind of one of those things you don't realize how awesome they are until you don't have it. Well, I mean, even if you're re- reviewing footage or watching footage on YouTube, this not they're they're awesome. But even just for the hunter themselves of Hey, okay, oh, yeah. I can see no them. Doubt. Okay, was it a pass through? Are they carrying that light knock? And then the light knock can help light up a blood trail if you're off of it. If that air comes out later on, um, or if it stays in them, heck, then you see it <laughs> down the down the field yeah. or in the woods, wherever, sticking straight up. There, you know, it, there's a lot of benefits to just having that extra light knock in there. Um, right. Yeah. Very few times are you gonna you gonna lose your arrow. We're just recovering uh, your dagger. You go back arrow. that night, obviously, if you've got the lighted knot. Did you get a full pass through? Um. Oh yeah. Really? Yes, I mean, it passed through and into the ground. What kind of broadhead is he shooting? A uh, sick broadhead. A two, which we experimented with broadheads with him, and anyways, we finally uh, arrived at the sick, the uh, fixed blade. Just a, it's a two blade with bleeder blades. They would call it a four blade, but uh, the other bleeder blades, I, I don't know if you could consider those blades or not, but gotcha. basically a two blade with bleeders. How much is he pulling? What's his draw weight? He is pulling 50 pounds now. He was 40. That's what Matt's pulling. <laughs> <laughs> with the 26 yeah. inch uh, draw. He was 47 yeah, right. last year, 46. But, gotcha. Uh, and what I've done with him when we're out shooting, um, just for all those guys that are shooting with their sons, if you will, if you guys shoot two or three times a week with your sons, if you'll just take it and just crank it a half a turn once a week, you'll be surprised. They'll start pulling 50, and they'll never know it. You'll never know it. Gotcha. So that's, that's kind of what we've done. And uh, before you know it, it's – pulling higher poundages gotcha well so hefty's hunt is on the youtube channel and soon this podcast will release uh around the 20th it will yeah. release on the 20th yep. the 20th of october and i'm hoping that the youtube video hits around the 20th I, I i would hope that night but it may be a day or two before it hits the youtube channel so um this whole podcast We'll kind of go with that video if you want to watch this podcast transfer into video format from MP3 to MP4. Whoa. So, <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about the buck. What was the, uh, What's the story on the buck? Okay, so Geronimo, um, I think the story with him, uh, and the whole story overall, it's kind of one of those bittersweet stories. Um, because that's how it always is when you uh, fill your bow tag early, if you will. As, as if you're listening in Missouri, our season starts September 15th and ends January 15th. So I kill what was it, September 27th, 28th, something like that. So I've got a long time till I have another buck tag come in play. Not only that, I'm going to miss. Um, some fine bow hunting in the rut. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm tickled to, uh, to be able to wrap my tag around Geronimo. But with that being said, it's almost bittersweet, but I think the story with Geronimo is, um, is targeting, targeting him early on 
and learning about him relentlessly through the summer. Um, and it was just one of those gears that I got to stay with. Um, and I put the pieces together, which interestingly enough, um, and another probably take home is this deer crossed before, before I got to take the shot on him, he crossed a major highway. Um, and I think a lot of people in terms, um, they try to put lines out there, whether it be a river or a highway or whatever that may be. And they're like, well, that, you know, their mind just stops at the deer crossing the highway or the deer crossing the river. And that's exactly what I figured out in the summer that the, that the silly thing was doing. In fact, I believe that deer was uh, actually betting where and watching traffic go by uh, this major highway. I mean, I think he was betting within distance of of the highway. Um, so the story with Geronimo started way back um, in early velvet season, and I noticed big bases on a deer and one just just large broad or a brow tine coming um, off the right side. And I was like, man, that looks like a really nice deer. And I couldn't tell exactly who the deer was um, yet. There was no uh, ear feature or double throat patch or I just wasn't sure who the deer was. And I was like, man, I think that's going to be a mature deer. And as time went on, um, he just kind of developed into a really nice deer. And not only that, um, he just started, I just started putting the pieces of the puzzle together. He did disappear, um, like they do during, uh, velvet shedding time. I mean, he went, he went AWOL. Um, and I wasn't sure where he went. I wasn't sure, um, if it was going to be one of those deer that I wasn't going to see again. Um, so it was really for him, uh, we talk about hunting deer, and I, I think a lot of people think about that hunting time is during season, but that's not necessarily the case. The hunting for Geronimo was the off-season period. I was just setting and waiting on that deer. I had already done all the hunting all those months prior, um, putting pieces together on him, so... I think you it was and preparation. Matt, you know, when you say that, you and Matt sat on the bottom field a couple of nights or one night, or you guys sat, yeah, at least we, went and glassed sitting in the truck or sitting on, on the fields trying to glass and spot this deer, right? Yeah, we did. Um, we made a few stabs at Geronimo, um, and we, we did set, and we very well made um, – I don't know, Matt. We never did really look at that footage. On we had those deer that crossed uh, the creek. That's true. That very well. One, oh, one of those could have been Geronimo. Yeah. No, that that that's nowhere from a distance wise of movement and travel. Summer to actually where you killed him, where we started hunting very early season at. Um, it easily could have been spotted there that night. Yeah, yeah, we may have the footage of him. We saw several nice deer when we were scouting velvet, um, and that was the deal with Geronimo. Um, the whole thing with him, which was the toughest thing to figure out, was whether he was bedding uh, basically back to the north. We've got a large pine plantation and a clear cut, uh, or back to the south, which is again is across the uh, 
across the highway. That was the main thing trying to put the pieces together. And what was throwing me at, I knew he was feeding in this bottom food plot. Um, and early in the season, a lot of my picks down there would be daylight. Um, and I'm like, man, he is right here somewhere. Where in the world is he? Which direction is he coming from? Um, and then finally, uh, we started pegging him on the camera a couple of times back to the north or south rather, um, which as you guys well know is a, a track we call the 360, which the highway separates the two tracks. Right. Um, so, so we started putting pieces of puzzle together, um, and now it was make make a game plan to kill him. And I think in in recent uh, times we've always talked about being conservative and hunting around the edges and things like that. And and primarily that's what we were doing. Uh, you know, I was tiptoeing around basically where we thought the deer was going to bed. Um, and actually trying to intercept him the first couple of times um, before he ever made it to this big bottom field. Um, and, you know, doing what whitetail hunters do, they say he's betting, he's betting here at A, and he's headed to C. Where can I intercept him at B? Seems like to be a really good ingredient for success. Um, but we actually harvested him at C. Um, this particular time, which is really amazing. Um, not only is it amazing that he crossed the major highway, um, what's even more amazing um, is that all the traffic that was coming by as he was making his entry in, and not only him, um, my gosh, I saw three or four other mature bucks, one that is, is – seven years old plus Oof. i mean wow i mean one-eyed jack we've known him forever you get the you get the trail camera pictures of one-eyed jack he's you know he's got that low glow in one eye he's always had a a forked horn on the other side and just a big four point side on the other side old specimen and i mean he was coming down there too um you know and he was actually coming back from the north as well um and then we had Dub Creek 10. He came through in the footage, which is a really, um, he's an old specimen too, actually downhill by probably um, seven to 10 inches um, than what he was last year. And he, he's another old specimen. So huh. that's what's interesting. Highway, deer cross the highway. Dub Creek 10 crossed the highway too. Um, you know, so all these things we're combating with. And, uh, you know, we just made it come together and, and, uh, all that preseason scouting, a number one, um, is what killed that or let us harvest that deer. You, you know, got to put in the time and that's what it's about. You know, the, the preseason scouting, you know, you're sending trail cameras back and forth and, you know, like I said, you're strategizing or just bouncing ideas off of us. So like, okay, he's here, he's there. What do you think? Blah blah blah. But I think one of the one of the kind of key ingredients that um, helped to make this hunt possible is your ability or to basically d- decide that it's worth the juice is worth the squeeze to go in and scout. Let's say that area C that you mentioned earlier, right? Because 
this fall, there's a lot of black oak acorns. And they started dropping oh, yeah. pretty early. And and that's really what sealed the deal. And you had a food plot you were close to hunting, um, but a lot of deer were crossing that highway on this main drain that was loaded with black oaks and dropping consistently. But despite being, let's say, in season, you went in and scouted an area because you knew it was, let's say, within let the, the epicenter, you know, What's the other resources that are pulling deer here to make this happen? Um, when I think a lot of people are like, okay, it's season. I can't move anywhere on this farm, but between where I park and where my tree stand is. But truthfully, if if you have a season that opens up, let's say, September time frame and moves through January, the food sources change so drastically. And I think as a hunter, we have to weigh in like that the value of let's say finding that resource we can know typically where those are at and if we're relying solely on food plots well we know exactly where they're at we planted them but but here we've got so many oak trees that produce some years and some they Mm -hmm. don't um so a lot of scouting went in ahead of time to identify this deer and the range but like to put the actual x on the map of like this is where it's going to happen took that additional scouting to make it pull together oh yeah definitely and that is by far i mean that was the key ingredient that brought uh geronimo into bow range was red oak acorns um we're slack on the white oak and we're heavy on the red and that like you mentioned that drain um i wasn't sure they were falling but the first night i mean that was my that was my second night in that set, and that drain, I mean, they were coming down. They were feeding. Uh, and not only that, I'll tell you what uh, probably led me to that more than anything um, was, I, for whatever reason, the turkey flocks. I would notice them coming in and out of there on the camera, and I'm like, what in the world are they? They're never over there. Why? You know, why are they over there? And anyways, they were right with the deer, obviously. And a lot of guys, um, I, I've got one great friend, big white tail killer. I mean, he's killed more deer than EHD. Uh, he's just a, he's a oh, killing wow. machine. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> and I'm telling you, he's told me, he hunts big woods. He hunts where they're hard. Um, he hunts a lot of government tracks. Um, well, he's in Douglas County. You guys know all about that. And yep. there's parts of Douglas County that are just loaded with big, heavy timber. And he's told me a lot of times, you can follow those turkeys. Uh, you follow those turkeys, and they will show you a lot of times where the native food is. And those turkeys, or the deer are smart. A lot of times, they'll they'll scratch the leaves out of the way, and the deer will come back in behind them and pick the acorns up or or whatever. So the turkeys kind of led me to, um, I'm like, why are they using that drain over there? What are they doing over there so much? And you'd drive down the road and I'd look out in the creek. We're really dry right now. And there'd be flocks of turkeys out there. Uh, and mm. I'm like, what in the world? Well, I mean, it was just, that was just a little island of acorns for whatever reason. We're in a drought. I don't know if it was just a little sweet spot or, or what, but it definitely had acorn production. So 
that is what was making him cruise through um, because our food plot down there wasn't necessarily fabulous because of the drought. Um, there was there was value in it, but I think it was a combination there of the native acorn production as well as uh, what food plot we did have that was, was growing um, in the dry time that we're at. But Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, just a lot of being out there living with with the deer um and actually being able to to put the pieces together that is definitely um what we attributed that deer to and i know a lot of guys listening they don't get a lot of time to hunt yeah um a lot of them have you know they're a slave to their job and they've got families they've got kids so they get a select time to hunt most everyone tries to take the rest um, and if I were to say, and I'm putting myself in that situation, I'm my own business owner, so I do have a little bit more leeway, but I'm sitting there thinking if I didn't, what would I do? And I think that would be, I would spend more time if I have a good early season opener where you can pattern a deer. I think I would spend a lot more time trying to figure out if I could make my early season successful and if you're getting on a pattern where you're putting pieces together and you have the ability to take that vacation early or something like that it may be the time to do it because i'll tell you what i have had some awesome last week i've killed a lot of nice deer that last week of september um you can really get a pattern on them um and sometimes as you well know what happens in the rut some farms the deer they're not a traditional rat farm. People lose deer. And you know what? They're over on the neighbors, the deer that you were watching all summer, and then you've taken your vacation off in the rut. He's not there anymore. Yeah. Um, he's moved to a, a different area that they rut in. I mean, they just do that. So if you're on a pattern on one and, you know, you put the pieces together and it traditionally your camera is really blowing up, um when you have when the season's opening i mean man go in there and try to get them if you're gathering that much information you you could be successful how many times a week do you think you had pictures of geronimo man i was getting him and as velvet was really coming on i mean you're talking every day i was patterning him gotcha um every day there wasn't a day that went by obviously there's something that trips in them as you know, you read a lot and we talk a lot, but they say the testosterone goes up and there, I mean, something definitely happens. A, a switch flips, you know, and it so, starts to get less and less and less and, and they're harder to pattern. They just are. As, as it gets to that time, they're tough. But, man, I was getting them every day. Over uh, the last two will, weeks, let's just say from when you killed him to the opening of September 15th. So. 12 days how many times did you have him on camera during those 12 days you think once so in, in the bottom once in the, I had, there was there was two and a half three weeks but where i killed him in the bottom i had him once and that's the there that's the testament there seth is what you you're kind of bringing what you said earlier back into this conversation of staying on a deer you had a lot of intel from the summer, right, of where he's doing, what he's doing. But you're also using 
um, the knowledge of the resources available that's dropping at that time, watching other game. It's not just, you know, mature bucks going to this uh, acorn, you know, this draw that's loaded with acorns. There's a bunch of deer so and turkeys, and so you're observing all that, and then you get one picture in 12 days, but you're still on this deer. And I think a lot of people probably would have just given up and said, well, I'm not getting pictures of him. He's not worth hunting. He's not moving during daylight hours. Well, that's not true at all. You know, this this deer no. was moving during daylight hours. You just need to be where you needed to be and where he was moving. You can't kill him if you're not where he's at or where he's going to be. Oh, yeah. And I, I think we make that mistake a lot. I mean, you know, and again, it goes back to obviously – I mean, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that if I haven't had the history with hunting whitetails on the property that I hunt, that outcome may have been different, and I may have thought the deer, you know, he's gone. Sure. But I've gathered enough information over the last several years. I kind of know what they do, or I kind of know what I think they do. And I know the habitat is, is fabulous. I know the habitat is great. And I know that uh, typically deer that range in that range that I was pegging him with in the summer, they typically don't leave. Uh, and you know, it takes, in all honesty, to get a deer in front of your camera without the aid of bait or a scrape um, or something of that nature you're not going to get pictures every day. And, and no. I quit baiting, feeding, obviously in Missouri, we have to quit 10 days. Um, and I did quit feeding. We feed our deer heavy, but I quit feeding. So what do you guys think that does to my pictures? They go down. Oh yeah. Um, so I quit at the normal time that you're supposed to make sure it's all gone. Um, mm. your pictures go down. Um, and, and then you're just relying on, uh, past information and those cameras on trails, scrapes, uh, food plots. Um, a lot of times what would happen when you get them in a food plot, uh, a, de- a doe will trigger it and you'll look out there and you'll be like, I'm pretty sure that's him. You can see the frame and you're like, Oh yeah, that's gotta be him. Yeah. And so, right. you know, it's, what about, it takes a lot to get a, what a deer in front of a camera yes, every it day. It, it does. But what What about last year's history? Did you have much history with him last year? I do. You know, the deer is going to be four, um, possibly five. Um, we're not sure where, he at, where he's at. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, um, there's a lot of deer um, that I'm like, is he four or is he five? Four and five really seems like a hard age. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. That deer's four, that deer's five. I'm going to sit here and be honest with you. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've shot a, I've shot a handful of deer, um, that I don't know. Um, and or why, they four and why does or it matter? They five. Yeah. And why does it even matter? I don't think it does. And, and why does it even matter? I mean, but my question know. for you is on the history is last year, did he ever, you know, we had a, pretty good white oak acorn crop last year if i remember right i think you did did you ever remember him shifting in in late september and going down to that bottom field much no he had a complete uh pattern shift he was actually completely on the south side of the 360 um and i actually have i think i have a a snippet of it it took me a minute to figure out who 
who he was. Um, and he did put on several inches, actually. Um, but I do have a, a just a little bit of, of history with him. And I tell you what happened. Um, I knocked out a big buck, and, and I've, we've talked about this, or, or I have for sure with, with you guys. I knocked out a big buck we called Dirty Harry on the back of the 360. Um, and it was wild. And this deer, and I think we may, we think we did a podcast on Dirty. We, yeah, we, we did. did. Yep. Um, I knocked him out, and that, again, that deer was a wild deer. He was just off the charts, um, aggressive. He had a home turf, and when I knocked him out, um, it was wild. This deer here, Geronimo, um, who I believe he was, he moved in and increased his home range on this particular piece of property, him with another deer, automatically when I knocked him out. And I think that that goes for a lot of places um, of better habitat. If you knock out a big mature deer, and there are a lot of big mature deer in the area in good habitat areas, um, I think you're going to have other guys come in and say, hey, this place is awesome. I really like it habitat's great there's plenty of does there's it's it's comfortable um and i believe that's really what happened with him um we knocked dirty harry out it made an opening for him um and dirty harry wasn't in there to to beat his head in the ground um so i kind of he started kind of moving in as soon as i knocked him out in late december um he just kind of started just shifting in and uh his his range just kind of just eased right in, and my gosh, he moves almost to the center of the two properties, which is the middle of the highway. Gotcha. Um, and he just kind of made it his home range, and um, him with a handful of other ones. Uh, so there well, wasn't including uh, what's that? So there wasn't any history. You know, sometimes we kill deer based on past years' history, uh, travel patterns, and. And things that they've no, done in the was, past. You're basically yours was very much was fresh. fresh. Going okay, he was on the bottom field, and this year, especially because of the fact of very this year, it was so fresh. Again, that's why I was saying it was bittersweet. Um, there is nothing more rewarding in the whitetail world than gathering information for years on end and having a good test match with one and killing him a couple years later. Or three years later, it makes it so much, so much. I don't know. There, you, you just can't explain mm-hmm. it. You know, you worked hard. So much re- more rewarding, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. But with Geronimo, it was, and I gathered the intel all through the summer and closed the deal very, very quickly. Um, had snippets of him last year, um, December on through tried to find a shed or two of them, um, and then he actually just moved into the home range. So there was only about knowing him about a full year probably. I had a few pictures of him where he had, he kind of came in onto the 360 a couple of times last year, but um, – He wasn't a regular you know, he customer. Just, he wasn't a regular customer over there. And there again, I think there was some other deer competition – and we just made a spot for him to come in. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. So, well, then too, like but, knowing once once he, let's say, sealed the deal. Um, air quoting this became a permanent resident, right? You know the farm though oh. from history, 
a scouting, um, not you know during off season, but just knowing where the resources are from good thermal beddings to shaded areas from early season, um, you know, the north slopes, and then from there where the food sources that they're going to be and just hunted it wisely. Um, you know, it's 12 days. I, how many times do you think you hunted during that 12-day period? And it was primarily focused in and around this buck. I know a couple other hunts were um, you know, after after a different one, but really how many days did you hunt to observe deer, what they were doing, and then we're like, hey, I'm going to go in. I'm feeling good about this. I'm going to kill. Right. Um, seven. There was there were six to seven days. I was actually thinking about that. I was like, I sat in a tree probably six to seven times this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what it was. And um, I don't know if you you remember the night we hunted voodoo. Which yep. was a this, must that was, stay. was that two days before <laughs> the night before I believe the night before you killed <laughs> yeah you don't even waste stands down there I mean well, it is <laughs> and and that was the daggum thing we were in between hunting the the stand that you killed in the next day and that uh, plot voodoo and and we saw plenty of deer yeah. it worked right but not not what we went in there for um, but then yeah the next night it's like well crap <laughs> you, yeah, killed. And, and you don't hunt voodoo we went down in there by the way he was down there i mean i checked the card down there um which i didn't have the cutting links stretched that far now i do which yep. um not to get off base really quick um but the cutting links that i had up on the whole um north side of the property they were doing their job up there, and I was actually checking cameras less, which let me have quite a few late-night sets in the bottoms and, and do some other things in the whitetail world. It gave me time, if you will, sure. to do a few more things that went into harvesting that deer. But there again, you and I were hunting, and, and that's what it was with him. We weren't. A, I wasn't 100% sure um, that he wasn't betting on the north side part of the time and the south side across the road and you and i went to voodoo that night and i'm like man he 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 could be right in his wheelhouse and anyways you just don't go to voodoo there's nothing ever comes good going down there just forget hunting down there when (laughs) i won't ever do it again with you no it is pointless i won't let you convince me about it is (laughs) it's one of those places you'll pull the card you pull the card or the cutty link sending pictures now man the deer are coming through there and you're like man i'm gonna go down there and hunt this time it'll be different you forget it um and we were talking about you know interpreting trail cameras and things like that i have two spots in particular one of them is kick hollow we call it kick hollow because a good friend of mine uh last name of kick glider kill a big 10 point down in the hollow he was going to go on a date with his girlfriend. I said, dude, are you crazy? Do you know what the weather is right now? Anyways, long story short, shot a big, nice deer. And, is he uh, still with that girl, or is it somebody else? What was, was it worth it? I would hope it would have been worth it for him. I, I think it was. <laughs> well, it was that girl he was going to go on the date with. Is that the girl that's his wife now? Yeah, he, oh. he did marry her, so. <laughs> she's a keeper. <laughs> yeah. So he got the girl and the buck. Dang. Yeah. 
I want some of that luck. There's Kick Kick Hollow and there's Voodoo, and we're talking about trail cameras here, and you check the trail cameras, or again, the Cudley sending pictures, and you're like, I need to be hunting there. Look at all this activity. Dude, you might as well forget it. There's only one way you're hunting there, is if you have a completely sealed blind and you have a tunnel dug in (laughs) to it that you can get in. That is the only way you're hunting. You might as well forget it. The cameras look great, but it's, it's like, a no-go. It's, it's like the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, it's, it's awful. And, you know, I mean, it's, and there it's, are a lot of spots like that. Many turkeys. Far, is I've, you know what? I, I, I've never even been to that plot. And I've chased turkeys with you all over that place since probably 2014. Oh, yeah. And I've never been there. <laughs> Don't waste your time, yeah. I can tell you. We chased, we chased you, a bird you, down you, there this year. And we got down there to the food plot, tried to call... You know, one time just relocate. Silence. Crickets. <laughs> it's like voodoo. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. We're out of here. Yeah, we're we gone. turn around the walk. And, and how many times have we? There's birds, a goblin right oh, there. Yeah. As we're walking in. Yeah, just walk right past them. And and we're like, uh, yeah, we're walking past. And you're like, why are we walking? I remember back in the early days, you're looking like, why are we walking? Past? I'm like, trust me, we're walking. Past. There's no point. <laughs> oh, man, they will win. So, we will lose. Yeah, let's keep they, so let's go to the night win, you killed. So beautiful night. Um, conditions awesome. Um, high pressure. Um, cool. Um, it was just one of those nights that you just you just felt deer were going to move, and I don't know. I've, I've had those gut feelings, if you will, that this is the night. I don't have an I don't use an app that tells me when to hunt or anything like that. I always say if I can go hunting, um, I'm going to try to go. Uh, There's apps just for that. My motto doesn't work <laughs> for everybody, but it's mine. So. Anyway, so we're going in. Feels like a great night. Um, I had left the sticks in that particular spot, um, and I'd left them there again, just to recap, because of the drainage that was filled with the acorns. And just what I had seen um, there prior, I'm like, this is the drain I need to hunt. Um, and the camera, the way the deer were moving. So great night. And the only problem is with it. Um, the traffic, all the big deer are are coming down into this plot, and the traffic there, people wanting to look, people wanting to be a nuisance. Uh, and, I, dude, I'm talking, I'm talking driving down a 55-mile-an-hour highway, 10 miles an hour. At one point, at one point, all the deer are out in the field, I have a one-ton truck with a 16-foot gooseneck, lock it up. And, I mean, this isn't a place you want to lock stuff up. I'm like, dude, I'm going to film this guy shoot a deer. Oh, wow. And he's, I'm like, what in the world? You know, and these deer are becoming accustomed to it. So uh, these were a couple does. I don't know if he couldn't see or anything, but those deer kind of bound off. And I'm like, man, this is just going to be a train wreck and, and all the people coming by and, um, a handful of them I knew. I'm like, well, that's so and so. That's so and so. And there are a handful of them that are actually truthfully just looking at deer. Um, and there are a couple of them that may shoot a deer if they do, or likely will get them on film and 
hopefully right. make, an, we make an example out of them, which I have done successfully twice. Um, and the game warden, uh, we got everything confiscated once, the deer, uh, gun, everything. Um, oh, wow. So that's, that's kind of deterred. Um, the other one I caught down there, he was growing marijuana. So cameras are very helpful, um, not only for the deer, um, but they're helpful just to manage your property. And I put them big and bold, some of them. A lot of them I keep hidden, but some of them we'll, we'll put big and bold. But um, I hand just a couple of them. But anyways. Um, I think that's my favorite nice. part. I, I guess I should say this is where I should jump in and say with each podcast you get an hour or more, give or take, um, of us talking about a certain scenario or practice or hunt or whatever. Um, and so you get a lot of the details, but then on each video, because people consume video content differently than they do podcast, you get, uh, everything condensed down. Um, you get a very right. condensed down highlight cliff notes version of, of whatever has occurred. Whatever actually occurred. Yeah. And, uh, for example, you know, we did a turkey hunt this spring, um, where I just cut out all the stale time, the downtime, and just really highlighted the calling. Uh, so every time I called, turkey gobbled. And then I condensed the hunt down, which was a 30 to 40 minute hunt, down to, I think it was 11 minutes. So I ended up cutting out all the stale time, and it was just the hunts, uh, or just the calling um, and the turkey. And uh, so many comments, this guy calls too much. If this guy hunted with me, I, I'd kick him out. And I'm like, people, I cut out the stale time. You got yeah. the calling because that's the turkey gobbling. You wouldn't have waited around to see the turkey die if I hadn't cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> and right. so on, on this hunt, your, your successful deer hunt, there's things that didn't make the cut. And uh, one of them being... Um, a big part of the evening, especially, you know, you hear, I think in one point you hear a car drive by, but you, we've cut out so many vehicles and cause a lot of time you didn't point the camera at them and, and show him because you were filming deer, but there's a constant, yeah, there's traffic. constant traffic coming down that road. And then even in Dude, some post hunt interviews, it was, a frust- it was a frustrating night. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, 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 big deer. Do they make stupid. people stupid? Just stupid. And it's like if if a big deer, you put big deer on social media, you might as well plan on people cutting you down. If you put big deer uh, on your wall or on your own social media or in the newspaper, you might as well plan on people having negative comments. Um, right. It's just it just goes with the territory so much so it that Matt and I are almost annoyed by big and deer envy, and it's like. Yeah. This should be celebrated. Um, this should be rewarded with with happiness and joy, and not all this negativity. Goodness yeah. gracious! It's just like if yeah. you want to achieve big deer, plan on getting the negative with it. Yeah. And and in this case for you, it was like big deer on the field. Now you have to deal with the people who were stopping and watching. Right. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And and truthfully, typically there we have a a better. Um, food pot screen there, more yeah. dense. Um, but we had a weird summer growing, and we can't. Yeah, we we just the drought kind of it hosed us on that, so it's not near as tall. Um, the Milo, obviously, um, in the Heritage Blend and a few other things that are really drought resistant, did make um, um, 
but so many other things got browsed too heavily or, or we just didn't have the range. So I didn't have that great screen that I typically have just because of the drought. So, yeah. I mean, it's a, I talked to one guy, which is a neighbor and he's like, well, that's the only place you can drive by and see big deer. And I mean, he would, he's not going to shoot a deer off the road. There's not, but he likes to go down there and just look at him. And I'm sitting there thinking, dude, when you hit the brakes, I mean, it makes it harder for me to harvest there. It was just a, um, and I'm sure you cut a lot of the video out, but there was a, a lot of the, I mean, I was, I was pretty upset part of the night. I mean, cause it was like, not only am I looking at the deer, there was some deer behind me, um, that were in the, the acorns, but I'm sitting here and I'm filming, I'm looking at deer behind me and I'm looking at vehicles come by me. And at any minute, if they hit their brakes, too hard or the break or the uh rumble strip or whatever i'm like which way are these deer i mean it, it was just a really on pins and needles uh, oh yeah and by the evening. way trying to sell film and oh by the way trying to deliver a shot yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a lot it, going through you your could brain. definitely tell you know you saw turkeys um and then you see the deer filtering in and then at the point that this almost bachelor group shows up I love the strategy, and, you know, you've got a big destination food plot, which aren't fun to hunt because a lot of times you'll see a bunch of deer, but it's hard to get them concentrated into bow range. But you had selected right. an area where you had a you had a red oak tree um, dropping acorns to where when the deer came in, if at any point they decided to go get acorns, that there was really only one area of the, of the field to get it, and that's where you were hunting. Right, and that was the tree. Um I learned that was the truth. I've hunted acorns a lot, and a lot of times, and that, that dude, a saddle, I mean, tree saddle, if you don't have a tree saddle, tree saddles are killing machines. You're, you're so mobile, but I've hunted acorns a lot, and a lot of times you'll get into an acorn flat or an acorn drainage or whatever the acorn is, tree is, and you'll be like, why are they always at that stinking tree right there? I've hunted this three times, and they... They walk past all these other trees, and they go to that tree. Why is it? I don't know why that is, per se, but I know that it's a thing. Yeah. Um, it's like, why do they go to that tree? I don't know, but they're going to that tree, so guess where? I need to be by that tree. And it just so happened that night, I could see the sign down in the drainage, and the camera was, was hot there. And the first night that I hunted it, I was hunted at the tree. And I'm like, man, I'm at the tree. Um, Matt and I had even had the conversation. I'm like, dude, it's trashed with red oak acorns in there. Um, they're there. And anyways, all the deer, as soon as I got up the first night, every deer came to that tree. And what you can't see, a lot of it's in the brush. Um, and I didn't even film a lot of the deer that come up the drain because it's too brushy and eat on the other canopy side that's in the, the cover of the, uh, the brush. Yeah. So it was the tree. They they wanted to come to that tree. They wanted to come out in the food plot there if they came down the drainage. And a lot of times, like you just mentioned, they would break and either come to it. And he broke and come right to it. Mm. So, so he it came was, and was came right to it. And one of the things that I'll note that's interesting about self-filming, I hate self-filming, but you got to a lot of times do it. And in this, yeah. in this case... The deer is perfectly broadside, and you can hear you draw back, and then you can kind of see the camera 
Like I can, you can just envision you've had GoPro troubles, so there's no GoPro, but you can kind of envision what happened. You draw, you go to check the screen, and then you come back to settle the pin, and the deer moves at that time, has moved and now slightly quartering two when you shoot. And it's just like, oh, I know exactly. Just, just I've spent enough time angle. filming to know that what happened right there was you drew back, you checked the monitor, the deer moved, and you were so focused on settling the pin you didn't notice that the deer took that step. So you shoot him and what appears to be one lung liver. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, you, you hit him and then you have to deal with all the other traffic that's coming down the road. Um, so that's another thing that didn't make the cut. And then of course, uh, and the other thing is you'll notice a very short recovery on the, um, on the video. And just because of the story that happens to a lot of us that we don't like to talk about. And so we just, uh, elected to cut it out of the video, but, um, you were fortunate enough to harvest the deer, um, and we condensed down what happened, um, so you guys can just see a successful hunt and not have to deal with, with the 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 air of uh, of a quartering two shot and a mechan uh, not a mechanical, a broadhead problem. But anyway, another fun right. thing that didn't make the cut. <laughs> yeah, that that that's what we were. That was just too close to voodoo. That's right. That's right. Too I'm sure, close. I'm sure he yeah. ran up towards voodoo, and 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 then the rest is history, right? Yeah. Oh man, right. I I think uh, whew, it's 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 another awesome hunt. You know, what did deer end up scoring? Man, I didn't get a take on him. He's going to be right around the. He's going to be a buck. He may surprise me. I know he's going to hit one. My guess is one forty-two, and he may be an inch bigger. He may be an inch smaller. He gotcha. may be one forty-five. I put him in the freezer. His hide went up around the bases when I stuck him down in. Yep. And I pulled them back out. To, I was going to measure them. And uh, long story short, that hide had went up around the Oh, antlers. yeah. Yeah. So you'd have to and thaw it, so it out to it just get to it. I couldn't get a tape even around the circumference, and I couldn't even really get a tape down and up around to come around the main beam. I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just wait on him. But that's where he's going to be, um, which is a great southern Missouri whitetail in our neck of the woods. Anytime you get one. Bumping one forties, uh, a pope and a, I mean, that's, a, a pope and young, mature buck in the Ozarks is something special. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'll be honest with you. I was probably more tickled with um, Trace's. No, I mean, I was happy, but uh, there was with mine. But there was just something about. I don't know. You've reached that point where it it's almost, more fun to see Trace's success than in your own. Yeah, and especially for a deer that we had chased mm-hmm. for so long with him, and, and that one p- that he had he he had hit prior, and it was like shooting him with a toothpick <laughs> uh, when he's pulling one hundred or one forty two or a forty two pounds. pounds. I'm about to yeah. say that. He's a stout little he's man. He's 142 inches, boys. He's yeah. got a full ride to any college football player. He's got him on a draw, player. lock, and a winch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can that come along yeah. into the blind with you. You better make a good shot once, son, because we're yeah. cocking her back at the house and going in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
anyways, that, it was just really special. That was a really special hunt. Uh, and just kind of getting to, well, to be it, with him. And, and don't get me wrong, Geronimo's special too, just because of all the habitat and, and, and hard work we've done through the summer and just putting the pieces together. I mean, killing one with a bow is like setting a foot trap uh, for a raccoon. I mean, you've got to have him right there in your wheelhouse. It's not like shooting one with a rifle in a big open field that's chasing a doe and you're killing one with a bow, you're, you're wanting him in your, I mean, preferably your 30 yard circle. I've taken longer shots, but I want him in that 30 yard circle, like a foot trap. That's where I want him. And it takes strategy to get him there. Yeah. Without a doubt. It's a cool hunt, man. And the way it all comes together, the way you chased acorns, found the resource, got on the deer, made it happen, self-filmed bow hunt, and, uh, man, we're, we're tickled that you were able to get it on film and allow us to share the story, and then you come on the podcast and kind of relive it all, too, for everyone to listen and follow along, and then go check it out on YouTube. So go check it out. It. Yeah. Yep. Seth, thanks out. for coming on, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yep.